0: Friend Jen, and she's afraid of aliens. <laughs> this is my best friend Kelly, and she loves plants. And, and we're therapists. therapists.
1: Uh, uh, here
0: we go, episode two.
1: So, duh. Episode de. Oh gosh, now this is when we have French people writing into us about saying mean things. I this. don't
0: think saying the word too <laughs> in French
1: is mean. No? Okay. Oh know. god. You, sometimes I have these experiences where I become an accidental offensive person oh and, I'm aware <laughs> uh, yeah if you listened last time about putting our feet in our mouths because for me it's both feet it's not just the foot but <laughs> but we've made it this far and hopefully so have listeners
0: you're doing great sweetie well oh, thank you you're <laughs> so today we are gonna talk about why we decided to even make a podcast why a podcast why not a podcast I and mean, that's
1: what I like to say
0: yep I mean, that is one of the, so here's the difference between you and I is that I have my list written out very wordily and yours is a bullet point list, but one of the reasons that I wrote down is because we want to, Because and so we, we are.
1: Yeah. You know, it's really funny because ever since podcasts have like, I don't want to say been a thing, but been a thing that like. People were very engaged with. I feel like this idea has come up amongst like lots of my friends to be like, should I do a podcast? Should we do a podcast? Should this? And I think it was always like witty banter kind of stuff um, until you were like Jen, podcast. Like, can we do it? And I never thought that you were bringing up as like,
0: oh, like, like you know, serious. Yes. Yeah. What makes you know that I was serious? Hmm. Mm, that's a good question. Um. Everything I do, I take seriously.
1: Exactly. Because you were crying at the time. That's how I knew it was
0: serious. <laughs> Jess, can we make a podcast, please? Well, me. I'm surprised that you agreed because every idea I give you, you say <laughs> you?
1: no to. Um, no, those are only recommendations for um, TV shows, podcasts, books, movies. Jobs. Jo- <laughs> jobs. all <laughs> Treatment
0: authors, modalities. Media personalities. <laughs> you know. Everything. Food sometimes, maybe. Oh, I don't know. God. Anywho, but yeah, because we want to. And so let's figure out why we want to, or I guess we mm. figured it out, but let's talk about why we want to.
1: Yeah. I mean, on I think for me, and this is kind of my first bullet point, was just because of the idea of expanding our reach as therapists. And uh, I mean, obviously, what is that called when you have to make a... Disclaimer? Yes. This podcast cannot be used in place of therapy. Yes, we do need to make
0: that for our
1: episodes. (laughs) Um, But I think it's just expanding the reach of um, the best thing about podcasts is their accessibility, right? It's so much easier for me to recommend a podcast for someone because it's accessible it's free instead of being like get this book but how do they get the book and then they have to keep track of the book and that right it just helps with all of those different things and that was my first kind of thought
0: yeah I completely agree I think one thing that I really try to do is normalize um, mental health talk not only like normalizing mental health treatment and stuff like that, but also just normalize talking about mental health. And I know one of the things that you're very well trained in is suicide prevention and intervention, and that is, like, a thing that comes up all the time is that idea of, if I bring up suicide with a client, is that going to make them suicidal? And it's like, no, that's what you need to do. And, like, let's just normalize talking about these topics because they are intertwined in every area of our life, so why are we not Mm. acting like it?
1: Oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I am someone who... And I think this comes from, like, supervising people and things like that, of just really emphasizing the importance of language. Like, yes. language is so important to me. I also think that's probably further enhanced from my background of having a writing background and things like that. But but that is also the first way that we've reduced stigma, is just talking about something and normalizing it, whether that's suicide or um, substance use or just mental Trauma. health in general. Trauma maybe calling body parts by their actual medical terms, yes. <laughs> um, all of those different or things. Or even just normalizing
0: that, like, every person has a body and it doesn't have to be objectified or sexualized mm-hmm. or criticized or anything. Like, we can just, you know, acknowledge that each person has a body and that's all you have to know. And they're all good bodies. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so definitely reducing stigma and kind of just changing the way that we talk about mental health. I also wrote down um, to normalize crying. As you, if you've listened to our last episode, we know that crying is something that is near and dear to my heart. And so, yeah, to normal, but even even further than that, like normalize feelings. I think that people are very compelled to identify like I feel good or I feel bad, and it's like okay, well, first of all, those aren't even feelings, and second of all, what does that even mean, like? Instead of oh, bad, sure. let's say guilty or sad or frustrated or um, helpless or powerless, you know, all these things. Or instead of good, let's say joyful or excited or happy or elated. Like there's so many words mm. that we could use. And I think that is so important to be nuanced with our language because yeah. that just is what makes it more Specific, more individualized, more detailed, just like easily to understand. You know, all of us want to be understood. I think that, Mm -hmm. like, two main things that humans want to do is be validated and be understood. And so, if we can improve the way that we talk about things and use our language, then we can improve our ability to be understood. And that's really important. Yeah. Well, I
1: mean, you can't really advocate for yourself unless you have the communication skills to do so. And I think a lot of times people initially think about communication. Which rightly so, right? Like passive, aggressive, um, assertive, which is great. But it's also, we can even fine tune it further and say like the literal, like the words that you use and things like that. And you're so right about the feelings thing. I think most people are taught that their feelings are happy, mad, sad. Yep. And they should all fit into that. um, And that's great and everything. That's a starting point. But there's, you know, a bigger piece of the pie to that. So I don't know. I'm feeling excited
0: today. I am feeling much more relaxed than i previously was um i'm feeling i'm looking at your um, we're in jen's office and i'm looking at her emotion wheel to see how i'm feeling because that is a tool that every therapist or anyone who's ever been a client is familiar with let's see
1: i'm feeling courageous also
0: yeah that's a good one i'm feeling vulnerable and also optimistic which we all know i'm an optimist. Sensitive is on. I I would just really like to point out that sensitive is under the happy category. That's great. And, yeah, that's really great. Love it. Awesome. Okay. But, yeah, the more
1: we talk about things, just the better it is. It's, I'm sure this comes up in session for you sometimes because it comes up – quite often for me where people want to broach a subject of something but they're trying to see if the subject is okay sure and i always tell people like you're not gonna make me uncomfortable like not unless you say like jen you suck you're a bitch i hate you like you're really just not gonna make me uncomfortable with like your own um experience or point of view and i think that's the first like permission to give someone of like oh, just show up however
0: you need to like, yeah it's, let's open up the conversation for whatever it needs to look like absolutely mm. i think that that's something that all humans sh- I'm, while you were saying that i was thinking to myself like did we learn that did someone teach us that or is that something that we have just developed over the years or like the ability to hold space for people and i think that that phrase can be very frustrating sometimes like that idea of hold space right like what does that mean because it's an abstract thing. Like, you can't even hold a space. But, like, to just make room for anything to, like, come up and it to be okay, yeah. as long as it's not harmful to yeah. anyone. And even sometimes you talk about things that are harmful, but in a safe way. Um, so, hopefully, this podcast will help people hold space for those things. Yeah.
1: Right. I mean, just that whole idea of, like, I don't... If I'm holding space for you, that means I don't have to fill it with my own stuff. Ugh, and... yeah. As a talker. (laughs) Um, Well, actually, as a talker, sometimes I do want to fill the space, and sometimes I don't, um, right? It's not like that's the only thing that I am or, or any of that. But, yeah, so hopefully this is kind of another way for people to maybe hold space for themselves or take it a little bit further as an action step for themselves to hold space for others.
0: Yeah. And so another point that I had, like, written down kind of as part of that is I think that... Anyone who's familiar with therapy, whether you have been a client, a practitioner, or both, hopefully you've been both if you're a therapist, um, that this idea of we talk a lot in sessions about our family of origin relationships and our romantic relationships, but I really don't think that we talk enough about our friendships in in a therapeutic setting and how important those things are. And, you know, you and I have had the discussion about the show Sex and the City and like (laughs) how... You know, we're millennials, and so that has... One of our just shows that we watch, and what is the word? Like, quintessential? I don't know. Yeah. Um, One of those shows for us that is very impactful, and yes, it hasn't aged well over time to some extent, but our experience of watching it has changed from when we were younger, watching it about the romantic side, but as adults now, watching it for more of the friendship component and just, Mm. you know, how important friendships are in lives, and I think it's important that we normalize talking about friendships.
1: Oh my god, agreed. I think that part of that also is talking about friendships outside of our adolescence, um, sure. right? Because I know that, like, okay, so if we're talking about the developmental stages of a human. Right, like our family of origin is the first family that we are modeled behavior from, that we learn things from. But then as we get into our teenage years, we differentiate from our family system and we start looking at our peers um, and social supports as kind of taking priority over like our family supports and things like that. And, um, but that doesn't always transition right to later in life. And how do you make friends past college? How do you make friends? When you're not just making them in the workplace. Like, so I know for me, like being a 30 something woman who has friendships, like maintaining those friendships now is obviously very different than when I was in my 20s or when I was a teenager. And um, I see lots of people really struggle with that.
0: Sure.
1: Kelly and I joke sometimes about, like, gosh, we wish we could, like, introduce our clients to each other and stuff. Yeah. Cause I'll have, you know, I primarily, like Kelly, see a female population. And a lot of times I'm like, oh, these
0: two clients would be such
1: good friends <laughs> like, well, and they're all, both longing for that kind of, um, social connection. And
0: yeah, I was going to say that. I think that that's something that does come up in session a lot, especially for the population that I work with of like, how do you make friends as an adult, especially if you're not in school or if you if your work situation doesn't like allow for making mm-hmm. them. Cause I mean, some people don't want to be friends with the people that they work with, which is fine. Cause they have boundaries, but like, a lot of people who are adults make friends because their children are friends with each other. And so they're just like friends by default. But those, I feel like, I mean, they can definitely turn into meaningful friendships, but it's not the same as having a friendship that you're seeking out on your own. And also the idea of like, what even makes a good friend and Mm. you know i think a lot of people get very tied to this idea of we've been friends for so long so i have to still be their friend yeah especially like and we'll talk about this in a little while but with covid and the politics of the past year plus four (laughs) years too freaking long (laughs) Um, That like find uncovering things about people that you love that really make you feel uncomfortable and that you're not okay with tolerating in friendships, but then feeling like you have to because you've been friends for a long time. It's like history is not the only thing that friendships are built upon. It's one thing, but I mean, I would argue that it's one of the less important things because... Who you are now is how you show up in your friendship, hopefully, versus who you were when you became friends. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's really fair.
1: Well, and I know when people or patients ask me, like, how do you make friends in adulthood? Um, I don't know the answer to that. And I will tell them, like, I'm really not sure. (laughs) Let's kind of troubleshoot this, right? And sometimes it's just learning about someone's lifestyle and what are opportunities that they can take advantage of um, to create new, like, social relationships, but also... Yeah, it is hard to make friends. And as someone who does not have, um, like, relationships with their family of origin, my friendships are so important. So I feel like I'm someone who can easily prioritize friendships. But, yeah, I think as people get married and get into long-term relationships or have children, it's really easy to not prioritize friendships and and things like that. So navigating friendships as an adult is an interesting experience that I don't think we we as humans talk about probably enough.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with that. So let's move forward and kind of jump on something that I touched on earlier about like this idea of, you know, over the past year with COVID and politics and all of that, like that's one of the reasons that we had this idea of making a podcast was you and I were very lucky that we were able to get our vaccine kind of in the first round because of being mental health care providers in the community. Um, And then we also had been, part of the same pod and I know that that was something that was really helpful for me living mm-hmm. alone with my dogs and my plants. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of them now. Accurate. <laughs> um they don't talk back unfortunately um but you know being able to establish connection and helping listeners get connection and just I forgot what I was going to say. You go.
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah, I mean, I think that this is one form of connection, right? I know one of my favorite podcasts is My Favorite Murder. Murderinos. uh, Right. Very popular podcast. But I know hearing like Georgia and Karen, the two women who lead that show, talk about their own experiences, whether it was the challenge of... Uh, being at home and having to navigate quarantine or those different things. It's like those things really resonate for you and, Something is listening to a podcast can validate your own experience whenever you know, like, wow, I'm not the only person who's struggling with that. I'm not the only person who feels frustrated by this or whatever. Like, that doesn't always have to come from sharing physical space from someone with someone or actually knowing the person on the other end of that conversation. Yes, that is helpful. (laughs) And that may be the most, the best form of meaningful relationship. But sometimes it can be someone that you're listening to or a book that you're reading or something like we can get validation from lots of different places. So I think from having to shelter in place and navigate the past year of the pandemic, it was like, How do we kind of think more out of the box about feeling connected to something or feeling like you're having a shared experience?
0: Well, and also I think like that's a perfect example of like, that's why people go to therapy, right? Like, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I'm sure that you've had this experience. Well, I'm not sure, but I'm going to guess and then you can tell me or not, but that so many sessions that I've had where the client, the, like f- one of the first things out of their mouth is like, I just need to know I'm not crazy. Uh. And it's like, oh man, yes, mm-hmm. correct. You are not crazy. You are a human being. You have feelings. You have been told that you're not allowed to have them. So that makes you mm-hmm. feel crazy. And it's like, we all just want to be validated. And so having the experience of being able to hear from people who are professionals and trained, but also human beings I think helps legitimize a little bit of the validation that people might get, hopefully, from listening to this, and also just knowing, like, oh yeah, I'm a human being. They're a human. We're all people here together, and that's uh, just part of this experience. And, yeah.
1: Well, I love spaces where humans get to show up and be humans. Like yeah. it's, and it's funny because, and I'm sure this will come become a theme as we continue on it with episodes, but that idea of like, I think we all. I think a lot of people learn, and I know I speak about this a lot, and I think that you do too, Kelly, about like how you can't get all of your needs met from one person, Correct. right? Like I'm married; I've been with my husband since um, we were teenagers. We've been married for 11 years this year, but like he can't meet all my needs. <laughs> um, but also, like, so how do you spread that around in your life? Like Kelly helps meet a lot of my needs, and that can happen through lots of different venues. But that can also happen again through things that we may not think of so that can come from like self-care practices but that can also come from media and different things like that works where we are continuing to expand the way that we're acknowledging the human experience and things like that so anyway i think we say all that to be like this podcast hopefully could potentially be just another way for that to happen for people
0: for sure and so to go off what we were saying just a minute ago about like what we talk about with our clients and sessions, I know that I, if, if any of my clients ever hear this, they will know and can vouch for the fact that like I often say to them, I was listening to a podcast and blah, blah, blah. And then like that becomes a topic of discussion for us. And so I think that being able to provide some, oh, my thought just came back to me, the one I lost <laughs> earlier, connected to this, being able to provide some information for folks that we can trust, because I think that there's so much content out there about, you know, every other person is writing a blog, making a podcast, making TikToks, whatever, and knowing that, like, the idea of directing people to books or resources that we don't have the time to consume all of that stuff it's really Mm. important that we know if we want to direct someone towards something that it isn't harmful or damaging or in the exact opposite of the mission that we're trying to create with those people and so i think that this is kind of off topic but i'll go with it that reese witherspoon was talking about when she was making her production company that like she wanted to see certain types of movies and certain types of stories being told and it was like well if I don't see those stories being told, I need to make them, yeah. or I need to write them, or I need to produce them, and so that's kind of how I. Hopefully, I'm correctly attributing that to Reese Witherspoon. If not, I'm sorry, and we'll do a fact check. Or I, I think you are. Okay. I'm like, oh god, hope so. Um, I'm like, wish we had a lawyer because I don't know. I didn't even become a lawyer like you were supposed to, Jen. I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, but yeah, to being able to know that if we want to direct someone—not even a client, but just another person—towards something, that it is accurate oh yeah
1: right that well yeah i mean i (laughs) we use these things to supplement therapy right therapy can't just happen in the therapeutic space right like we can't be like oh you make all this progress in here in session and then you go out there and nothing gets implemented
0: or something application of what you're talking about in session yeah Mm -hmm. but
1: it's also so helpful and i see this with my clients all the time and and we can gosh talk ad nauseum probably about TikTok and how it's helpful and harmful, but there's so much there is good information out there where people can be like, oh my gosh, like Jen, do you know about the Enneagram? Like, I just learned that this is my Enneagram. What do you think about that? And so I think there are lots of avenues for people to be able to do some of their work on a more autonomous level and then kind of bring that back to session or do some stuff in session that then can be enhanced later on through other things. Um, So, again, hopefully this can just be another one of those things that, if nothing else, might start conversations for you to bring back to your friend group, to your family dinner table, to your next therapy session.
0: I or just know. your own reflections that you do with your journaling or yeah. your dogs or your plants or whatever, you know? Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't be the only person talking to your dogs or your plants, okay? Great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> please validate for, yeah. for Kelly, everybody. Yeah, please.
0: <laughs> Send us uh, like, subscribe, and review, please, <laughs> as long as it's good. Thank you. Just kidding, sort of. Okay, so another thing that I wrote down is... But I think that using the podcast space is a way to change the norms about what we were taught in school. And we talked a little bit about this last episode. But just this idea of, like, you, we are taught in school as therapists that we are not supposed to, like, be people, basically. And that we're not supposed to self-disclose unless it's for a very specific, well-thought-out reason. That we're not supposed to um, get our own needs met through our therapeutic relationships. That we're not supposed to, like, have pictures of certain things hanging up in our office like they tell us all these different things and i mean we talked earlier about how we're coming up on our 10 years since we've graduated it's been a long time since we were in school and so i don't know what's happening in school these days but i hope that they have readjusted and redefined some of those boundaries because i know something that for me has been very challenging to navigate is that early on as a therapist and still to this day is like how do I be a person in my personal life outside of the therapeutic room still be professional from the sense of like I'm not my grandma used to say like don't do anything you don't want on the front page of the paper which Mm -hmm. like okay to some extent I agree with that like I'm not going to go out and do reckless things that I don't want people to know about but also the idea of for example like dating in 2021 like we all have to date on apps right and I, I mean you remember this was getting very nervous about like what do i do if i see a client on my app oh and my not God. even that you yeah. would like or match them but like this feeling of oh shit can they see me like it feels very vulnerable and exposed and i yeah. think that i this will hopefully help normalize like And the the feedback that you gave me was like, you're allowed to be a person, Kelly. Like, you're not only a therapist. And I was like, oh, yeah, thank you. That's really nice to hear. But just knowing that, like, dating is hard enough and then add this extra layer of I don't want to like have be seen in that way or to go to the grocery store and run into a client or, you know, whatever. And it's just like, Oh gosh. So hopefully this will help that a little. Well, and because it is
1: our responsibility as the therapist (laughs) to do those things, right? Like it's our responsibility to manage any conflict that comes up or to manage the boundaries. And I think that that makes sense. And we are the, I don't want to say the, uh, you know, authority between us and the patient. But, I mean, we are the person with more responsibility. And so sometimes that's exhausting. But, like we said last time, talking about having to be your genuine self there is something about who I am as a person that makes me good at my job as a therapist and so allowing that to shine through and I know for me I usually start session with like what I would call a Mm warm-up right where I'm like how's your week been what's going on how was your weekend oh my gosh I watched that movie too what did you think of it oh my husband hated it but I thought it was great right where you're just allowing yourself a little bit to be a person and that doesn't mean that I'm sharing things that are inappropriate right um but I am sharing that side of my that's like hey i'm a human too i'm not a robot because as as most therapists know um the relationship that you have with the patient is more important than any treatment modality that you ever use that's
0: exactly what i was gonna say i was was gonna say like you're a person who's been trained in lots of different treatment modalities and i think that i'm gonna speak for you and you can tell me if you agree or not that like even after you've been trained in all of these different things that at the end of the day the relationship is the thing that is the most mm-hmm. healing and we cannot build relationships with people whether they're our clients our friends our family whoever if we don't give a little piece of ourselves to that like oh, you just 100%. can't have a relationship and yeah. i most of my clients would probably say that like one of the reasons that they like me is because they know that i'm a per. i mean i am a cursing therapist you got the same sign that i have in my office that says maybe swearing will help you know i like to wear jeans every day i mean let's be honest i haven't been wearing jeans until recently because of the pandemic but like i like to be casual I like to be comfortable and i think that the at least for the people that i work with it would not be welcoming to them or comfortable for them if i showed up in a business suit and like yeah. Didn't show my personality yeah. at all.
1: Which, you know, what's really funny about that? It, well, I have two thoughts on that, so remind me of that. Okay. <laughs> um, but my first thought is like, I know that I've heard a lot of people say, Um, like maybe they're looking for a therapist for their kid and by kid I mean like they're their teenager or their like college student child and they'll be like I kind of want a young therapist and I think what they actually mean when they say that is someone who's approachable someone who's likable right someone who isn't just the therapist who's not really going to speak and is going to say tell me about your mother and I know I'm speaking to just like a stereotype right now Um, but I think it is a piece of that of someone who their kid can walk into that room and you don't feel like an authority figure um the second piece i was going to say is i think the pandemic has really allowed that to happen more yes yes. right because for um those of us who have been doing telehealth and stuff i know initially it was like where do i place my computer where they can't see what's in my house and but then if i had a load of laundry going and my dryer buzzed during a session and I was like, "Oh, don't worry, that's just my dryer." Or my dogs are barking. I'm like, "I think I'm getting a package." Right? There were all of these things. I think that brought to mind again that, like, that we're humans, and um, I don't know, well, like
0: right now the sirens that are going. <laughs> by, If <laughs> you can hear that, them? I'm sorry to interrupt <laughs> you, but it's funny because you said something about that earlier.
1: Yeah, but right, we're not like in a sound studio right now, like doing this. We're just right. people trying to do it, and I think there's something very powerful about that, and allowing that to be integrated into the work that we do is so important.
0: Well, I also think, so just to go on the telehealth thing for a second, that prior to the pandemic, I was a person who was very anti-telehealth. Like, Mm -hmm. I did not want to do it, primarily because I have ADHD, and so switching a system to a new system is very draining for me and feels like an insurmountable task. But when I was forced to do it, it was like, okay, I had to do it. Uh, And now I really like it. And one of the things that I think I've enjoyed about it is, Seeing clients in their environments, not just in our office, can help with some of that application of like, okay, how are you going to take what you're doing in here out of the session and into yeah. your life? And I also think that some for some people, it's not true for everybody, but some people have felt more comfortable and more open mm-hmm. because they're in their own space. Um, yeah. i've also had the opposite where people feel like not nearly as comfortable if they're not in the safe you know environment of our offices but mm-hmm. um yeah i agree that the pandemic has really opened that and like not even therapy but like watching people on the news and stuff and it's like oh my god yes i love seeing these videos of like you know world renowned newscasters doing a segment i guess is the word for it yeah. and like Their wife walks through the background or their child Mm. comes in or their husband or whoever is like, oh, shit, sorry, walked into your thing and like back out slowly. Uh And it's like, yeah, because we are all humans. And I think that that's part of why we want to make this podcast, too. I know we're kind of beating a dead horse here, but... Um, maybe I shouldn't say that phrase I don't like that phrase I don't know where it comes from anyway um (laughs) ADHD props hashtag um this idea that like we have to apologize for the the other living things in our lives like (laughs) oh my
1: god yeah like
0: if your baby is crying while you're doing a zoom call it's like "Ah, babies cry they're allowed to do that that's okay you don't have to apologize for that Mm. or like if you want to eat food like don't apologize for taking care of yourself like Mm. all of that is allowed and so I'm hoping that with all of the tragedy that covid has brought across the world that we learn something from it and make things a little easier on ourselves like we don't have to apologize that our kids are crying or our dogs are barking or that Mm -hmm. we're feeding ourselves like that's just part of this human existence and we should actually be encouraging everyone to do that in a more open and authentic way yeah
1: yeah oh my I, i could not agree more with any of that and I had a thought and I think it has also flown out of my brain.
0: It's buzzing around in this room yeah. somewhere. Other
1: um other thought, Travis this morning, Travis my husband had the our back door open, like our sliding glass door, and a bird flew into our house and sat on our TV console.
0: That happened to me at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh. <laughs> a bird flew into my house and I have it on I have a video of it. It scared me so bad. Oh, uh, that's
1: right. Yeah, Travis apparently was like, Oh my god, like get out of here, and then the bird just flew away. But um, just as my thought had. Um I remember, though, early in the pandemic, and Jimmy Fallon's the first person who I can remember this happening. I'm sure he wasn't the first person, but when he took his his show and was doing it from home, and, like, his wife was doing the recording, and his yeah. kids, like, would make the signs and stuff, and I was like, oh, my God. One, there was a piece of that was like, well, I'm just a curious person about celebrities, and I love Jimmy Fallon, so I was very curious to see, you know, what his life is like outside of the studio in Rockefeller Center. Um, but, yeah, again, like, there was something very human about it that... Um, I really liked and stuff.
0: Well, and so that transitions into this, idea, or not transitions, I guess we're kind of talking about it already, but like this idea of authenticity and accessibility, Mm. right? Like, so if Jimmy Fallon's wife is the one who has to be recording it and they're just recording it on their iPhone because that's all they have, it's like, let's use the tools that we have to make information accessible. You know, I know that, like I said earlier, I listen to so many podcasts and so many books, like audio books. It's just, Unreal. And it's nice because of ADHD. I consume information much more easily by hearing it instead of Mm -hmm. having to read it, particularly stuff that's like related to work kind of things. But like I can be, yesterday I was like planting my garden and listening to a podcast. And I would, and so not to, make productivity something that is like really important and something that we strive for because it's not i think we really need to rest more but something that helps my the things the tasks that i need to do be more enjoyable are having access to information through things like podcasts and books and so it's like well i know that i have to write my notes for my sessions i can listen to a fun podcast while i do that and it makes it easier for me to do that so making information accessible is part of why we want to make this podcast
1: yeah well and i know i really felt like i got into podcasts because um something to know about me is i am an insatiable reader so i read a lot of books probably about four a week three on an
0: off week um which i don't when, when do you do that like when are you reading? I guess it's when I'm watching TV. Is yep. when you're reading? All it's cuz I don't okay. really watch TV. I watch all the TV.
1: But see, but that's also for me I have I'm I'm very productive, but I can be very sedentary in my personal life because reading is really my hobby. Um and so sometimes I can really benefit from putting the book down and moving my body or you know doing something that is more productive. And books on tape for whatever reason one, doing audiobooks can be a little bit costly. And for some reason, I would just rather read. But anyway, um, but I found podcasts. I was like, oh my God, here is a way that I can, whether it's educate myself or entertain myself while doing something else. And sometimes both. Yeah, right. At the same time, which we have to love that. And I think for me, my first podcast I ever listened to, and I think that this was most people's. um, Can I guess it? Gateway drug into podcasts. Please do. Cereal yeah, on, was right? cereal. yeah, it was cereal, of course.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean that was that, and then S Town was the other yep. one I was going to guess, which are both mm-hmm. from the same yeah you know, thing. But
1: well, because everyone was when cereal came out, everyone was talking about it, and one of my clients actually was talking about it in session because she was like, "Oh, you would like this? Do you listen to this?" And I was like, "No, but God, I really should," and I listened to the whole thing in the like over a weekend and then i was like i love this i love washing dishes and vacuuming my house and listening to a podcast and so now that's you know i don't really listen to the radio in the car i have a podcast on or or when i'm in the shower or getting ready in the morning so
0: yeah gosh i feel like the only time that i have listened to music over the past three or four years i guess like since i started listening Mm -hmm. to podcasts is when i'm moving my body through exercise or if i am like intentionally using music as like a behavior activation tool of like Mm -hmm. okay i need to get up and like get my day going so i'll turn on some music but other than that straight up podcasts and audiobooks like all the time yeah yeah
1: i mean i i probably do a, a good blend of both but Travis and I also like to do like dance parties, like if one of us yeah. isn't in a great mood then we have to have a but dance. But you gotta party. also
0: make your own music like we do when we go places. That's that, what. yeah.
1: That's music. You just have to sing what you're doing. Yeah. You just narrate the task <laughs> As you are doing it through song and then I really like to do this and my husband calls me out on it where when I'm dancing to a song it's basically a pantomime where I'm like <laughs> yes of course where if someone's picking up the phone I have to like mime a, like my hand a ph- as a phone and my
0: hand, and he's like what is this I'm like I don't know that whole exchange just made me want to say one more thing about like communication and language Of just I think that's another reason coming up with lots of segues here but to um make this podcast was to challenge ourselves a little bit and mm. this idea of like having to dictate what we are doing with our hands or whatever yes. is a really new experience because especially you are a very like talker with your hands like yes. you do a lot of gestures and things and so having to challenge yourself and that's part of accessibility also is because if you had someone who is visually impaired they may not see that you were pantomiming mm. a phone and so having to explain that if like i think that that's great and like why are we not making everything accessible i'm getting out of breath because i'm talking about this so fast and care so much but yeah like making things accessible challenging ourselves pushing ourselves to new experiences and hopefully Mm. in the process validating other people that they can do it too
1: yes please right i want everyone to come on the ride right i want i say this to um the therapists that i supervise um through their own licensure processes i'm like there's enough clients for all of us like there's enough like room for success for all of it like i want everyone to come on the ride um that i'm on or help get them on the ride that they want to be on because i just i very much believe in an abundance mindset um and so that's so important to me as well um i know i think another piece of this podcast that we haven't kind of directly talked about yet. And I know you've been talking about your own ADHD problems. (laughs) Um, But I think it's also two therapists practicing um, who have their own mental health diagnoses and who have to manage that on a daily basis. And um, Kelly and I were joking earlier that like this podcast is brought to you by anxiety um, (laughs) because we are living that life every single day and um, right. And managing kind of some of the things that come with it. So for me, that usually ends up turning into insomnia and things like that. But But I still have to show up for myself and I have to show up for my patients and other people in my life. So it's just another thing of like, we can all do it.
0: Well, and our patron saint of social work, Brene Brown, will, you know, (laughs) Brene, if you're listening, (laughs) thank you. you. Thank you. (laughs) I love you. It's so funny because when I was going through my supervision process, my supervisor tried to introduce me to her work. I think she wanted me to read Daring Greatly. And um, I was like, I'm not reading that shit. Like, I don't need to know anything about vulnerability and shame. Like, I am good. I am just learning everything and being the best that I can be. And Oh, I, God. Oh, poor little Kill. She had no idea. <laughs> she had no idea. <laughs> but recognizing now, like, oh, the reason I was rejecting that was because I needed it so deeply. And I think that, yeah, what you're talking about is our practicing vulnerability and mm-hmm. modeling that for people. I think that as therapists, we do have an element of power and we have a lot of responsibility to use that power in a safe, healthy, inclusive, integrative way and this is a way that we can do that and I will say that the way that I finally got on board with Brené Brown was um I really like inspirational quotes cuz like who doesn't and I was at a bookstore and I picked up like a book of quotes and just like picked to a random page and read the quote and I was like gosh, that really sounds like something I would say to my clients. It was, um, talk to yourself the way you would talk to someone you love. Mm. And Brene said it. Mm. Brene said it in that book. I'm sure lots of other people have said it before, but her name was at the bottom of it. And I was like, damn, damn it. it. Yeah. And so I went and I bought Daring Greatly instead. And I was like, guess I'm getting on board. So, mm. yeah, that vulnerability piece is so hard. And, I, I mean, when we were talking about this process and that idea of, like, this podcast is brought to you by anxiety, I was like, I am so nervous right now to do this. And I don't know why. Like, we're in total control of this. It No one's listening until I, you know, produce it and we post it and all that kind of stuff. Like, whatever. Mm. It's just... Yeah. Even the idea of vulnerability is something that is really scary.
1: Well, and do you know what Brene would say about this? This is an FFT, Kelly. Yep. It's a fucking first time. Yep. Right? And change is always hard. Doing something new is always, you know, walking up the steepest hill. And so... You just have to kind of get through it. I actually say this a lot, whether it's to patients or people in my personal life or, uh, or new clinicians and stuff. Um, but like we, you have to do it the first time to get some data, yeah. right? We can sit here and we can anticipate or make assumptions about how we think something's going to feel and what that experience might be like. But we don't really know till we do it for the first time. And then we can actually troubleshoot it in a way that gives us meaning. And I know for me it is. And this is like going back to my own attachment things. Like it's hard for me to try new things all on my own. When I started my practice, I did it, um, in business with a close friend of mine. We're still in business together. (laughs) Um, that made it sound like we weren't, but, um, like, it's hard for me to do things completely on my own. And so I know for me, I take so much comfort in doing this with you. Because I'm like, well, if Kelly's doing it, then, like, it's totally fine for me. Um, I also had a change in dosage in my medication recently, so I'm feeling really good. i feel like really medicated. The anxiety is at a minimum right now, so I'm feeling excellent good. Excellent <laughs> news. That is very excellent news. Thank you.
0: <laughs> no, but I agree about the first time stuff. And I think one thing that I say a lot is you only have to do the first time once. Oh, so true. And it's like... And I also say about anxiety, the fear of the thing is worse than the thing. So like here we are scared about this idea of like making a podcast and it's so scary and it's new and it's the first time and all that. And it's like, oh, here we are talking into this little microphone and it doesn't feel as scary anymore. No,
1: it actually feels hilarious because it's being held up by two tissue boxes on top of each other.
0: We're doing this on a budget.
1: Y'all, it's just, it's real talk over here, okay?
0: Uh, like uh. and subscribe so we can upgrade our equipment. <laughs> follow us on
1: Patreon. That's I don't We don't know. have a Patreon. Yeah, that's not a real thing right now. <laughs>
0: maybe one day, but we do have social media, which maybe we should say at the end of episodes for people to follow us. Yeah, make um, them know the
1: thing They exist.
0: Jeez. There's nothing in them yet. Maybe by the time this episode is posted, there will be some stuff. Yeah. Stay tuned. I don't know.
1: Gosh, wouldn't that be great? Well, and I think... Um, there's no way I think for anyone to do a podcast that's unscripted like this is, and it not be some form of external processing, right. Of just like being able to kind of get our thoughts out in a way um, that feels helpful and stuff. And, everyone has probably had that experience of something feeling good when you talk it out, right? You're not, you're not just thinking it in your head. You're actually getting it out. Um, and we can talk about the brain science behind that and all of those different things. But, um, I think that's part of that for me and you is like, gosh, just processing our own experiences and Mm -hmm. what we have found helpful for ourselves or the people that we work with. And, um, then there's the other just secondary outcome, which is like more time together. Yes. Which
0: I said this to you when we were talking about planning it and, get ready, this might be the time where I cry, which Jen brought up a great idea that there should be a drinking game of every time Kelly cries.
1: <laughs> Everyone would be wasted. <laughs> I know,
0: yeah. Which, like, as substance abuse therapists, maybe we shouldn't say that, but, you know. All responsibly, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Don't drive, you know, all that kind of stuff. Be 21 etc. But this idea of, shit, what was I going to say? Crying? No, it was before that. Oh, why we want to do this. Uh, ADHD props. We're going to make a hashtag ADHD props trend. Um, Anyway, this idea of us spending time together. And when we were talking about doing it, I was saying, I think that the most fun thing about it for me is going to be like going back and listening to it and having this like audio photo album Mm. of our friendships and our discussions. And I want to just record us all the time whenever we hang out, like not even just making our podcast, but I'm really excited to see, like, so we went back and listened to some of the first episodes of some of our favorite podcasts to help us, like, figure out what this was going to be like, and I think one of the things that feels really fun about being invested in a podcast community like My Favorite Murder or some of the other podcasts we listen to is that to see the evolution of the hosts and the communities along the time and so Mm -hmm. I feel really excited about the idea of listening to our 10th episode or our 100th episode or whatever and just being like wow look how far we have come and look at you know how we have evolved and learned and that'll just be a really fun experience
1: yeah um Like, being a therapist, and um, a lot of times when you're going through a a credentialing process, like getting certified in a specific modality, you'll have to either audio record or video record, like, yourself doing the modality, and it gets, like, coded or... like scored to, for fidelity to see if you're doing it the way it's intended. And oh my God, we have a lot of new clinicians at my primary job who are going through that process right now. And so I was like, Oh, I'll share some of my old tapes with you, Ugh. which are like from 2016. And I was like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> I've never had to do that thing. Uh, goodness. It's a very, it's the most anxiety inducing process to get it started and to watch yourself ob- like give therapy to people. Like it's very like, Oh my gosh, it feels so huge. Um, but it's, like, the best learning tool. It just makes me think of what you were just saying about this. Like, gosh, going back and looking at things and and those things being reminders for ourselves of growth and stuff is... I, I love any time that happens. I love snapshots of that for people as they show up.
0: It's interesting. I was thinking about this the other day from a provider perspective of, like... Sometimes we have clients who we terminate with and then we'll come back, you know, Mm -hmm. a year or two years, however long later. And I was having this experience of, like, I wonder if it feels like I'm a different therapist to the people who come back, right? Like, so, not different necessarily, but if if they are able to tell that I've become more confident or I've Mm -hmm. learned more or maybe I've even changed my perspective on things, like, I... one of the things that is hardest but also really great practice for me particularly of being a therapist is being responsible to admit when you've made a mistake or when you've learned something new and being able to say like I know I said this to you before but like that feedback wasn't super great or very helpful or accurate or whatever and I want to correct that and so just wondering yeah like what's that it's kind of like If you see someone from high school and it's like, oh, it's so good to see you. It's been high school. It just feels so long ago. (laughs) Maybe if we saw someone from grad school instead. um, And just like, how do they see you now? You know, like, do they think of you as being different? Do they only see you as you were at that time? I don't know. It's a very strange experience.
1: Yeah. I used to say, (laughs) as I really started, I think, leaning into honing my skill set about therapy and figuring out what what is Jen as a therapist? Like, not what is my supervisor like? What are, tr- like, f- training facilitators that I go to trainings like? But, like, what does it mean for me? I remember saying to someone, like, I wish I could go back and find all the patients that I served my first year as a therapist and just give them all free fun, <laughs> <laughs> And not because I wasn't doing good work, because I was, but obviously it's very different than the work that I'm doing now. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I love that you're having that reflection of, like, Yeah, is it like they're coming back to a new therapist? I wonder what that must be like for them. But, I mean, everybody... If you're a human, hopefully, like, you're growing over time and always evolving. And, I mean, that happens for therapists, too, including in their practice. So... Oh, gracious. Well, I kind of want to, um, as we're reaching a time boundary, I was thinking about... Um, that
0: was very um, clinical of you. Yeah, <laughs> if I it was my person. session, you would hear a timer go off because <laughs> that's how I keep track of things.
1: Um, we've mentioned like some of our favorite podcasts and I kind of want to um, spend some time. I feel like you can really um, know a lot about a person. Um, by the podcast they listen to, um, just like about their interests and stuff. So I think we're both um equal murderinos and yeah, love sure. all things, Georgia and Karen. And I really do love I love their friendship. Mm-hmm. I love their banter, I love murder. Not committing it, but learning about it. Mm-hmm. I love... Which we hope uh, to do a
0: whole episode about. Like, why mm-hmm. are people obsessed with this true crime thing like, oh, through yeah. the lens of a therapist? Because I definitely think there's a lot there.
1: I don't know if you know this, Kel, but
0: remember when you recommended MFM to me? And I was like... Or another podcast that we both love that you actually did not argue about with at first. <laughs> but it's called You're Wrong About. And that's another podcast that we both listen to and really like. Um yeah
1: (laughs) oh god i it's not that i don't want to do things at first it's that i know i have to put effort into making time and sometimes that can be really hard for me are you wearing
0: fake eyelashes right now
1: no does it look
0: like i am your eyelashes look so great thank you when you closed your eyes like that i was like oh my god are those adhd problems again
1: it's lots of layers of the mascara (laughs) Um, the sky
0: high thank you tiktok
1: Yes. Well, first I do the the L'Oreal Lash Paradise, and then I do the Sky High on top of it for that added length.
0: They look re- good, y'all.
1: I really like mascara. Um. So, yeah, I know for me, my favorite murder, oh God, I just love it so much. I love them so much. I also think they are just such a good example of badass women yeah. who are doing what they can to lift up voices in the way that I think I don't know should be happening yeah. um whether it's female voices voices of people of color victims voices any of the I'm I don't know they're just really doing the work and
0: I think they also do a really good job of demonstrating like when you fuck up how to fix it
1: Oh my yes yeah They've
0: done a really good job with that because it was interesting listening to the first couple episodes and just being like oh man I can't believe they said that like I don't think they would say that like that yeah. now um, you know, after 5 years or whatever, and it's just really nice to see how they have been able to model like you fuck it up and then you fix it. That's mm-hmm. the part that's most important. The fuck up's not the most important. It's how you fix it.
1: Yeah. Gosh, agreed. I really also love the podcast and that's why we drink um with Christine and M. That was probably my favorite true crime podcast for a really long time until I discovered my favorite murder Um, Now I love them both equally.
0: I don't think I've ever actually listened to that.
1: Oh, it's so good. (laughs) Em does. She, she usually is the, she always goes first. They always go first. Sorry, let me correct my pronouns there. They always go first and um, they do like a supernatural story. And then Christine does um, a true crime story. So I really love supernatural stuff. That brings me into um, Ashley Flowers podcast, Supernatural. I really love that. I have to be mindful of when I listen to it, because if I do it like at night before bed, it's too spooky. Do they
0: ever talk about aliens? Yeah. Because she hates aliens, y'all. Y'all, when
1: I was a child... I've had a sleep disorder my whole life, and whenever I was a kid, I would have night terrors. I was being abducted by aliens, and so... Aliens are a very strong trigger point for me.
0: This is a sidebar, but I just had this thought. Do you have any pictures of you as a little kid at your house? Yeah,
1: I have a bunch of them. I'm I, very cute.
0: I would like to see some of those. Because I don't think okay. I've ever seen many pictures of you as a little kid. And I would just love to have like a little Jen okay. picture
1: to look Sure. At. I was um, very blonde and very straight banged.
0: <laughs> love it.
1: Precious. Straight banged.
0: Straight banged. Oh, man. <laughs> Some of the podcasts that I've been listening to, um, I love Dax Shepherd's Armchair Expert podcast. Um, specifically, the experts on experts that it, they have on Thursday. Dax Shepherd and Monica Padman, I should include her voice there because she does a lot of work for them. But um, they often have different like psychologists or researchers or authors or like people who are experts which we'll talk about again in the future (laughs) um on certain things and it's been a lot of good that's one of the podcasts that i'll say like i was listening to a podcast and this guest was Mm. talking about blah 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 and how like helpful that has been um i also really like you're wrong about which we Mm. talked about which is michael and sarah
1: i feel like that's correct I'm going to do a
0: little... We're going uh, introdu- to or do a little research really quick because I want to make sure that we give the right credit. But they do deep dives on different <laughs> topics. Michael Mike and Sarah. Sarah. Okay. And talk about how we are wrong about the things that we think. I just finished listening to a two-parter on You're Wrong About Tanya Harding. So that was mm-hmm. really interesting. And I also really like... I feel like I should pull up my... Like you were doing, pull up your mm-hmm. list.
1: Well, how can we be talking about podcasts and not talk about Mama Brene? <laughs> So obviously Unlocking Us by Brene Brown, Of course. which what's really funny is I'll listen to her podcast like two or three times, like each episode, not like in a row. I won't like stop it and then start it over. (laughs) But um, like sometimes after I recommend an episode to someone, I'll go back and listen to that episode again so I can be prepped to kind of talk about it but it's also one of those things, which is just like her books. Like if you ever have reread any of her books, like you just get
0: something, something out of it
1: every single time.
0: Yeah. I think the other two that I want to mention, which is kind of makes me sound like I'm a Dax fan girl or a Mike fan girl, but um, under Dax Shepherd's umbrella, they have a new podcast called Nurture vs. Nurture, and it's with Wendy Mogul, and she is a psychologist. Mm-hmm. And each episode is her talking with a different family about like family dynamics or systems and parenting and stuff like that. And parenting is not something that I do much work with. So it's nice to have that kind of like outside perspective. And then maintenance phase is hosted by Mike, who also hosts You're Wrong About, and then Aubrey Gordon. And they talk about um, Mm. diet culture and...
1: That's a good one. You know,
0: fat bias and all sorts of things that are related to just how fucking hard it is to like be a human in a body on this planet and all the criticism that comes with it and marketing and all those types of things so those are the main podcasts that i spend a lot of time listening to and then yeah always nfm of course so. yeah gosh feel safe well hopefully this
1: this podcast being our podcast being the one we're talking about right now. God, that got awkward real quick. Um, we'll make it onto other people's lists of podcast recommendations.
0: Yeah. Or um, tell us what your favorites are. Cause w- well, I'll have to listen to them first. Cause Jen won't listen. Um, cause she doesn't <laughs> like suggestions from other people, but I'm always trying to find some new podcasts. Mm-hmm. So yeah, please, you know, contact us, let us know. You can find us at lots of different places on the internet. Whenever we first had this idea for the podcast and, decided on the name i was like i gotta secure all the social medias <laughs> with our you know name in it so our instagram is best friend therapist pod i think that's right mm-hmm, yeah I think that's right um, same with tiktok i'm gonna make jen do some tiktok dances it'll be great
1: get excited y'all
0: um and then of course we have email at best friend therapist pod at gmail.com if you want to contact us and then you know hopefully say something that won't tear us to shreds emotionally yes, yeah but you can if you want to. We're being vulnerable and learning how to stay out of the comments, well, I guess.
1: let's be honest. Kelly. Kelly's going to cry whether the comment is nice or not nice. No, oh,
0: please make me cry with something
1: very nice.
0: <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> please. Oh, yes. gosh.
1: But um, please subscribe, listen, come back next week or next episode. And, yeah.
0: Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Adios.